You got your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3, just turn them there and we'll get to that in just a moment. We want to give honor, first of all, to Bishop and Sister Wright. And uh, let's give them a great big hand. Amen. Bishop is in recovery, been to Brazil and Spain and was home a couple of days and then flew cross country to Washington and ministered 45 hours non-stop and said he didn't stop till they made a one stop on the way to the airport and met one of the leaders in one of the two churches and was there with them for an hour and he said I didn't feel it lift off of me till I got on the plane and uh, so all those time schedules and time zones and ministry from Brazil to Spain to across the country and he's just now getting his equilibrium back so be sure and pray for Bishop amen the Lord would give him strength and everybody said amen Amen. Then we give honor to your pastor. Amen, brother and sister Wright. Amen. We love them. David Wright. Amen, amen. And so we have come to the pulpit, first of all, to say Happy Father's Day. Amen. Not only is he a natural father, but Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, you may have 10,000 teachers, but you have not many fathers. For I, Paul said, have begotten you through the gospel. When I preached the gospel to you, we were begotten. The church is the mother of us all, and it's through the preaching of the word that we are begotten by the word. Everybody say amen. Amen. And uh, so the church of Corinth ended up in a whole bunch of trouble, long story short, because of two apostolic men, Apollos and Cephas, who began to sow discord in the congregation and uh, they begin to have little clicks. I'm of Apollos and I'm of Cephas and all this. And Paul said, is Christ divided? And uh, in chapter 4, he tried to bring them back to some uh, balance. They wouldn't listen, so they ended up in an outbreak of immorality in chapter 6, 7, and 8. Chapter number 11, they were some that were sick and afflicted and dying early. They didn't uh, discern the Lord's body and they weren't in proper headship under authority. Uh, chapter 13 proves after they were misusing the gifts of the Spirit, Paul said, now you've got to read, don't even love each other. So he said, I don't care if you speak in tongues of men and of angels. If you don't have charity, you're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Amen. So look at somebody and say, I hope you love me. Amen. And what causes you to be full of discord is you vaunteth yourself up, you're puffed up. You seek not your own, and he just goes on and on and on and on. And then they begin to doubt the gospel. Then they begin to doubt the resurrection of the dead. And all of this happened because their affection was turned away from Paul, their father, in the gospel. They were what he called teachers or podagogists, just boy leaders. That's what Apollos and Cephas was in relation, in familiar relationship to uh, them and to the saints. Paul said, they didn't begat you, I did And uh, so what you always want to make sure that you do is honor your pastor. And if anybody comes between you and pastor, I don't care if they can talk in tongues like crazy. They're not of God. Everybody said amen. And so I felt to do this earlier today. I'm going to, we're going to bless pastor today. Our father in God's mom will give the first hundred dollars. Who wants to come join me? And let's bless the man of God with a little bit. If you can give a dollar, a nickel, five dollars. Let's run up here and bless the man of God right quick before I read my text. It don't matter if it's a nickel, a dime, a penny, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks. Amen. 
Or if you want to give 500 or 1,000, amen, you bless the man of God, God's going to bless you back. Amen. So we want to bless the man of God and say happy Father's Day. Amen. Everybody say happy Father's Day. Amen. We thank God for your pastor. Now we know the churches went through a, amen. Well, look at him. I guess you're going to buy dinner tonight, Bishop. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give Pastor a great big hand. He's worth every dime of it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Just let it lay there. You can lay the basket up there and just uh, so we can get it in there eventually. But we want the devil to see how much we love our pastor. Amen. Just let the devil look at that money laying there for the man of God. Amen. Amen. If you bless a man of God with a cup of water, you're going to get a blessing. And we recognize that. And uh, Antioch is growing and is now expanding in this last year. Three major congregations in spite, in spite of all the others. How many total groups we got? Fifteen groups and uh, three main churches under the Antioch Corporation. And uh, in that setting, you want to make sure, of course, we honor Bishop. And the greatest way that you can honor Bishop Wright is honor this pastor over this congregation who stands in a father's place. Amen. That's what Vine's Expository Dictionary says. The father in the gospel stands in a father's place. And you may have moved in from somewhere, transferred in because of the military, whatever. But if God did that, then the only way you can honor the pastor where you come from is you honor him like that was your pastor. Amen? And uh, so you don't want to dishonor Bishop right by dishonoring your pastor. Everybody said amen. Bishop's got oversight. And then Brother Wright, David right here has... Uh, the shepherd influence among the people. And aren't you glad, amen, that God has given you Pastor David Wright and his sweet right. Let's give him another great big hand. Come on. And tonight I'm honored on Father's Day to have, uh, I base out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and my pastor who handles me on the day-to-day -day operation, amen, Bishop David Keller and his wife, Sister Marta Keller, are back here on my right, your left. Would you give them a great big hand? What a wonderful man of God and woman of God. I love them very much. They've helped me. They've helped me, man. I appreciate them. Love them very much. He's been pastoring here 35 years, and, and I love them very much. Would you give them another great big hand? Amen. And then his son is there, Reverend David Keller and his wife Shanna and little baby Ava and his niece and their granddaughter Ava and Cambria. Cambria, wave Cambria, she is so pretty, good God. I remember when she was teeny tiny, I must be getting old or something. But she is from Pasadena, California. Her daddy is Pastor Richard Brown. Pastors, I think, one or two. He's got to start his second church, hasn't he? And pastoring two churches in Pasadena, California. And his uh, wife is Brother uh, Keller's daughter. And uh, we appreciate them. So would you give David and Shanna and Ava and Cambria a great big hand. 
I love them. He's my my buddy. Amen. And David is here uh, working at the U.S. Congress, uh, Assistant Chief of Staff for Mr. Jim Banks, who's in the House of Representatives from Indiana. Uh, David ran his campaign last year to win that seat. First campaign David ever ran, and he kicked the devil in the backside. Amen. We got good man in the house. Give David a great big hand. There, I'll be showing up church periodically. Amen. A wonderful, wonderful couple. Amen. Second Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, as Brother Ewing said, I'm going to cut some off both then and a chunk out the middle. That's just a fancy way of saying I'm not going to be long if you say amen. Thank you, amen. That many amens, you're dismissed. Well, let's go eat pizza. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. But I do feel a word from the Lord, and it is great to be here. Second Kings 3 and verse 5, it came to pass when Ahab was dead. And the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel, and the king Jeroham went out of Samaria at the same time and numbered all of Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And he said, Which way shall we go? He said, The way through the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, the king of Edom, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the host or for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Here's Elisha, the son of Shaphat which poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father, the prophets of thy mother. But the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of uh, Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee, but now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. When the minstrel played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. Uh, I want to talk to you about when the minstrel plays. When the menstrual plays. And this is what I felt during the day. I feel like the, the church here is about to come through its wilderness. And the hand of the Lord is ready to appear. Now that's the whole message. We're going to try to fill in the gaps. Would you take a hold of somebody's hand? And would you lift it up in the air? And would you give God praise for what he's about to do in their life? Come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do. We ask you to move in this house, in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Come on, come on, come on, pray for them. That's a real person. God's about to bless them. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh.
let your glory appear, Lord. I ask it in the name of Jesus. And let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated in the name of the Lord. Help me, brother, help me. Amen. The Lord bless you and you may be seated at the passing of King Ahab. This is the same year that Elijah was taken away and the man was transferred from Elijah to Elisha. So we are in this text in a transfer transition moment. There is a going from, uh, as we know, Elijah has seven major miracles. And we know Elisha, after his ministry, we have the advantage of looking back upon it. Elisha will have 14. There is a doubling that's coming. We know the story how that Elisha said to Elijah when asked, you don't want to stop at Bethel, you don't want to stop uh, here at the Jordan, you don't want to stop uh, at Jericho, what is it that you want? And, and, and Elisha said, I just want double what you have. And all the prophet said was, all you got to do is see me when I go. Amen. And you'll get double. That wasn't hard because Elisha was the servant to Elijah. He would literally pour water on the hands of Elisha. Not only that washing his hands, but he would serve him, wait on him. Uh, he only felt the mantle and the anointing one time. And, and then Elijah takes the mantle with him and keeps going. Elisha staggers and stumbles around just a little bit, but he realizes if I'm going to get that mantle, I better get after it. And so the Bible says he kills his cows and he destroys the plows. And the reason is, is he doesn't want anything to go back to. I'm going after the anointing. I'm going after whatever was in that mantle. Whatever's on that man, I'm going after it. Sometimes to get what God wants you to have, you got to destroy everything in your past because there's got to be something in you that says, I'm not going back to this. I, I don't want to be hooked up to this plow and tied down to these cows. So I'm going to kill all of this now because whatever was in that mantle, whatever's on that man, that's what I want. He doesn't fill it again for 10 whole years. He never brushes the mantle. He never touches it again. But one touch was enough. I'm preaching to a church tonight. Amen. That's had a brush with that mantle of anointing. And amen. And now the spirit of servanthood is on this church. And the birthing of ministries and preachers have been uh, raised up. And preachers' wives and churches have been started. And 15 congregations. And, and there's young men and pastors that are preaching now. And things are happening but there is about to be a fresh move of the Holy Ghost upon Antioch touch somebody next to you and say there's about to be a fresh touch man upon Antioch come on look at somebody and say there's about to be a fresh touch on Antioch, are we on in the house? Because I don't see people doing what I said. So make sure we're up in the house. Amen. Can we can we hear real good? Amen. Make sure it's up like a concert. Amen. All right. Now, if you don't respond, it ain't because you didn't hear. Amen. Uh, so, so there was a fresh touch. But there has to be something in us that says, I'm going after that. I'm not going to be held down to the past. I'm not going to be, no matter how good it is, thank God for seven miracles. But I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. I'm going to move forward. No matter how great our past is for Antioch, there's got to be something in this congregation that says, there's a doubling coming. There's a double of power. There's a double of miracles. Amen. There's another mantle that's about to fall. Amen. There's about to be a release of power. Power. The hand of God is about to fall. And all of that 
was about to happen. They are now a distance to travel about a hundred miles over seven days. When they get there, they think that it's going to be a place that they can water the men and water the cattle. But they are shocked when they get there that the desert just continues. There is no water. There is no refreshment. There is no shade. It's not there. They're in a place of the desert. It's many times then that the distance between defeat and victory is found in the place of process in the desert. The desert comes up 47 times in the Bible. And the wilderness, also referred to as a desert, appears 293 times in Scripture. That's 340 times in the Bible the desert or wilderness is referred to. It was Israel, a man that wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. It was Moses that was in the year, in the wilderness 40 years, or the desert for 40 years to get 40 years of Egypt out of him. To prepare him for 40 years of leadership back through the desert. Amen. 40 years. And, and, uh, there was the, in the uh, desert, there was the burning bush experience. There was, uh, Joseph that was sold into slavery by his brethren in the wilderness, in the desert. He was sold there and he would raise up him in Potiphar's house and come to power and then go to jail in the desert. It was John the Baptist that was in the desert until his show. It was a place where he was being processed, going through a series of steps. You can't, amen, avoid process if you're going to be used of God, blessed of God. There's a series of steps that you have to go through. You can't fast track it. You can't skip over and jump around and go around some hoops. No, you can't do that. Amen. You can do it man's way or you can go through the steps, amen, uh, of process that will bring you to the anointing. We see that with Jesus, when even he will go to the wilderness. Luke 4 said he is driven, or Mark said he's driven to the wilderness, but Luke said he was led. So there was the driving into the wilderness, but there was also the leading into the wilderness. It is the push and the pull of the Spirit of God that is pushing the man, Christ Jesus, to the desert. Why? Because we're moving from law to grace. We're coming out of a transitional period underneath John the Baptist where they begin to baptize unto repentance but there's a Pentecost coming but before there's a Pentecost there's a Calvary and there's a whipping post amen and there's miracles signs and wonders 14 times Jesus will heal everybody but before he does that he's got to go through the desert He's got to go through tests. So he will be in the desert 40 days. He is driven there by the Spirit. He is led there by the Spirit, which means it's with divine purpose that God said everybody, every congregation, every preacher, every family has to be driven and led by the Spirit in to a desert place, into a place where there's no water, into the place where there's no food, into the place where there's seemingly no refreshing, into the place where, as it was said of Jesus, he was alone. He was alone. He was by himself. Nobody wants to be alone. Especially in a desert. Jesus will go into the wilderness into the desert full of the Holy Ghost fresh off of being baptized 
under John's baptism. Fresh off of the spirit descending upon him like unto a dove. Fresh from a voice breaking open heavens and letting John know this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A witness of the dove had man for the crowd so they would know this is the anointed of God. Fresh from a miraculous beautiful experience to the desert. In the desert he will meet the devil. He will fight that devil in three major temptations. But he will come out of the wilderness not just full of the Holy Ghost but now watch he will come out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the day that you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I got it June 27, 1978. But there's something beyond being filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got to go through a little desert experience. I've got to go through an alone time because when I come out of it, I'm not just going to be full of the Holy Ghost, but I'm going to be walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. Deserts, deserts, deserts stand out throughout Scripture is a place where all of God's generals travel and His purpose is realized. It is a place where men and women are revealed, prophets are birthed and ministries are made and nations are proved and reproved. Deserts are the place of spiritual conflict, ministry formation where true power is realized. They carry with them the connotation of cursed lands, short on cultivation, Short on normal life and vegetation. No water. There are no roads. No directions. Hard to determine which way is which in the desert. Cities in the desert lie waste. And nothing but silent ruin. It is the wind over the night that literally changes the landscape in a desert. Deserts are filled with wild and untamed animals. Carrion eaters, hyenas, jackals, fiery serpents, poisonous snakes and wild beasts. They are the home of hedgehogs, vultures and wild asses. These animals serve as metaphors and spiritual types to demonic spirits that wander in a pre-cultivated haunt of barrenness. Somewhere lingering between start and finish. Beginning and ending, birth and fulfillment, purpose and prophecy. Infilling and dynamic ministerial power is the place of spiritual process in the desert. I hope you'll preach with me. I'm not going to be long. I'm preaching to somebody in process right now. Somebody that's in desert. Somebody that's in a time where there's not much water. There's not much vegetation. We're wondering what's going on. We're between start and finish, beginning and ending. And I've come in the Holy Ghost to tell you, you're not out of the will of God. You're just in the place of process. You're wherever great preacher is. You're wherever great prophet went. You're where the Lord Jesus went. You're where the church of Israel went. These animalistic spiritual types are revealed in scripture as a satire and the hag. In Isaiah 13, 21, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there. Their houses shall be full of doleful creatures. Doleful means howling animals, loathsome wild animals. And the owl shall dwell there and the satire shall dance there. They're nomad spirits and animals. Yelpers of specific wild beasts. Satires are shaggy he goats. Demon possessed animals. Goats. Like hags, whirling storm, bristling with horror, to dance they skip and stamp and spring about. He said in Isaiah thirteen twenty one in the desert, there are satires. 
Isaiah 34 and 14. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island. The island is the wild beast, the jackal, the solitary wild creatures that make doleful sounds. The satire will meet the wild beast of the island. And the satire shall gather to his fellow, which is an intimate friend or a person of weakened sense. They will find no help and no place for rest. There will be the owl, a name of a female goddess of a night demon who haunts desolate places of the Edom, nocturnal, drawn to the desolate places. There are times in our spiritual walk when we encounter the demons of the night. It was in the wilderness that the devil met Jesus face to face. Three major temptations. Satan met him. Some theologians try to make it just a mind game that Jesus was going through. I don't believe it was just a mind game. I believe there was a, a manifestation of, of the satanic, demonic devil, the old uh, uh, spirit of the devil that revealed himself and tempted him. And the first temptation was, let me just preach to you, was number one, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. What he was saying was, if you're hungry and your flesh is working on you just use your power to gratify your flesh can I say to a church we can never allow the worship service in church and church coming to just be something we use to gratify our flesh oh it is a blessed place and it is a wonderful place but I don't want to use this power and this tongue talking and this holy ghost and this worship and this living for God to just tantalize the flesh He said, bow down and worship me. But the Lord said, it is written, thou shalt serve, worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Which reveals that the posture of a real worshiper is you must be a server. You can dance and jump around, hoop and holler all you want to. But if you don't have the spirit of a servant on you, you're not really a worshiper. We have to be very careful in our worship that we turn this into a concert and a stage performance and that we become some little band and some little gig and some little music. No, it's more than that. Amen. We're not here to gratify ourselves. Amen. We're not just going to play the keys and beat the drum and pluck the guitar. But there's something in it that says, I'm here serving. I am a server. I may not be the best piano player, but I'm a server. Jesus said the real attitude of a worshiper is you're a server. He said, if you are the son of God, look up here. He said, I'll, I'll give you all these kingdoms. He showed him all the beauty and the power of the kingdoms of the whole cosmos in a moment. Listen to Brother Godwin. The best the devil has to offer you, he can show it to you in a moment. There ain't anything to it. He don't have to put a movie clip together. It don't take anything but a minute. It's just there. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. You have to understand in the desert, you will be tempted. You will be tried. You will be tested. It was in the desert that Elijah literally looked at Elisha, checking his motive, and said, Elisha, you need to stay here at Jericho. Look at this monument. This is where two and a half million Jews marched. Come here, Elisha. This is where two and a half million Jews marched around the walls. Now read this. This is where they marched. They didn't say nothing for six days, Elisha. But on the seventh day, they came around and marched seven times. Now the first six days, they went one time. Read it right there on the monument. And on the seventh day, they went seven times, Elisha. And on the seventh time, seven is fullness, Elisha. It means fullness, completion. There's nothing can be added to. This is it. This is the moment. This is the boom shakalaka place, Elisha. They shouted the walls down. You need to stay here. The Bible said, Elijah said, remain here. 
or tarry here. And the word tarry means to marry it. Just buy into this. This is an old move where hundreds of years later and he tries to get Elisha who's in process to buy into the old thing and just stay where it was. Just live off of what happened 25 years ago, Antioch. Just live off what happened 35 years ago, Antioch. Come on, don't you remember that revival 40 years ago? Just live off of it. Oh, it was beautiful. We did have revival. You did have churches 21 places in 20-something years if I remember your bishop saying it right. Amen. God moved you all over before he put you on this hill. That's what you need to do. You need to worship the past. You need to just build a monument to the past and just stay there. The Bible said, Elisha said, I'm going with you. He walked off from Jericho. He said, come over here to Bethel. This is where it happened. You need to read this right here. Bethel. You need to read. Now, this is the plot. I know, you know, Jericho, I had a little question. I was just checking you out. But you know what? You need to stay here. Bethel. This is where Jacob wrestled with an angel. This is where Jacob the liar, the supplanter, uh, the one that couldn't tell the truth, standing on the Bible looking at God. Amen. He got to wrestling with God. He was running for his life. He split his family up, sent one group one way and one the other way. And he said he's running for his life. But in the midnight, the angel of the Lord came to him. Read it right here. This is where Jacob, the liar, the supplanter, Esau was trying to kill him, but Jacob was a liar. But the Bible said God hated Esau, but he loved Jacob. He loved the liar. Why? Because he can work with the liar, but he can't work with the murderer. Brother killer. It's like Cain going to kill his brother. You got to watch out. Hey man, when a Cain spirit or an Esau spirit gets on you and you start with your mouth and with your tongue slaying your brother. Hey man, you better watch what you say about everybody. Watch what you say about the other congregations. Watch what you say about other ministries. Come on, I need an amen. You need to watch what you say. You need to watch what you say. God said, I hate Esau. I hate a brother hater. But I can work with this liar. All I need is he's hungry. At least he's after it. At least coming out of the womb. He was grabbing the heel of Esau because he wanted it. He was hungry. So I can work with that. Now he's got a little lying problem. But I can work with it. I can work with it. That don't make lying right. But I'm going to work with it because I'm going to break it out of him. And the angel of the Lord appears to Jacob. And he realizes in the desert, in the desert, in the wilderness, he's, he's got this holy encounter with the angel of the Lord. And something in Jacob said, who are you? And the angel said, I can't tell you who you are, but who are you? Who I am, but who are you? And Jacob had to get honest with himself. And he said, I am Jacob. He said, I am a liar. I am a cheater. I am a supplanter. I did trick my dad out. I did trick my dad out of the anointing. I tricked him out of the blessing. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord, he said, the day breaks. Let me go. And Jacob said, oh, there's a change coming. I'm not going to let you go. I got a hold of you. I got a death grip on you. See, some of y'all are just too pretty with your praise. You're just too pretty with your living for God. You're just patty caking and tiptoeing through the tulips and praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. There's got to get something back on Antioch that says, I got a hold of you. Holy. And I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to hold on to you. I may, you may do with you, but I'm going to hold. Some of you got to get a hold of this thing and say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because there was a change coming. The day was breaking. The Bible said the angel of the Lord reached out. Jacob had a hold of the angel. Get a hold of me. And the Bible said the angel of the Lord reached out and hit him on the thigh. And the Bible said there was the shrinking of the sinew. It literally means. Now I know it's 2017, you know. Now we're feminizing all the men, so I should have went. <laughs> but I ain't got no sugar in my tank. <laughs> ain't no sweetness in this tea, baby. Hallelujah. I ain't wearing no socks with my shoes and showing my ankles off. Bless God. I got, well, anyway, don't get me started. Pretty little things. The angel didn't go, right. I don't want to hurt you, so. Right. No, he did not. 
I think the angel went, bam! <laughs> and the Bible said there was a shrieking of the sinew, which literally means the socket disappeared. There was no chiropractic adjustment. He couldn't lay down on a chiropractic table and they push him. Or I've, I've had him do just get me laid down there right. Pull on the leg. Like, oh, thank you. Hey, man, you feel it popping your back. Oh, thank you, Lord. There wasn't no chiropractic yet. There was no. Listen, there are encounters that we have on this spiritual journey when God's bringing us through formation and bringing us, amen, amen, through the process of becoming what God wants us to become. That our flesh is touched, amen, and their flesh shrinks, amen, and forever we're going to walk with a limp. I'm going to walk with this pain, and there's not anything I can do about it. It's going to be a mark. Every Everybody's going to go. There's the man that had a wrestling match with the supernatural. That's where you need to stay, Elisha. Elisha said, no, I think I'm going with you. They got to the Jordan. He said, ah, this is the one. This is where the preachers put their feet on the top of the Jordan. And when the bottom of their feet touched the brink of the water, Elisha, we got a monument to it. It was a powerful move of God, Elijah. Oh, glory. I feel the angels of the Lord and the anointing around here. Right. My God, the first time they crossed the Red Sea, they had to put a stick over it. But this time, Elijah, when the preacher put his foot on it, pow, the Jordan River opened. This is where this is it. This is the third one. This is the Holy of Holies. This is where you need to stay. But something in Elijah said, no, I'm going with you. And then Elijah Elijah takes that mantle. I don't know how far he was away from the Jordan. Two, three, five steps, a mile, or how far it was. But when he got to the river Jordan, he hit that river with that mantle. Waters opened up and they walked over. Come on, Elijah. In the desert, in the desert. God lets us come through the desert because there's setup. There's holy setups where God's going to let the man of God and the mantle that's on the man of God bring you through something you couldn't get through if you tried to build a bridge over it. That, listen to me, the value of an anointed man of God in your life. I don't know how far they got across, Pastor, right? But all of a sudden, a whirlwind, a chariot of fire just scooped Elijah up. Whew, he was gone. All Elisha had to do, because he said, you, what do you want? You don't want them three things. He said, I want double. I want double. All you got to do is see me. See, if you're already a servant, and you're already close to the man of God, it's not hard to stay close to the man of God. <laughs> I don't know if they went five steps, ten steps, or walked five miles, but all of a sudden that fiery chariot scoops Elijah up off the ground, and there's Elijah watching, and Elijah's gone away in the clouds, in the whirlwind, a chariot of fire, and suddenly turns back long enough to throw the mantle. And Elijah picks it up, he walks back to the Jordan and he doesn't say, where's the God of Elisha? He honors the man of God in his life and says, where's the God of Elijah? And he smites the water. And what happened for the man of God, the bishop, the elder, now happens for the next generation. And he walks back across and he moves in the desert. He moves, amen, where the demon spirits, where the spirits of doubt, the haunting spirits, the satires and the hags dance and stamp. And the spirit in the middle of transition tries to talk you out of. I talked to you Thursday night about Satan, your request has been denied. 
And I've come back to tell you in this process, there is a spirit, a dancing satire, a dancing falling demon that's going to try to scare you out of this next revival. But I've come to tell you, don't you do it. Amen. You just stay right with the man of God in your life because there's about to be a man to fall. There's about to be an appearance of glory upon this church. in the Old Testament when Jeroboam made worship convenient the Bible says he said you don't have to go to Jerusalem and worship he built two golden calves one in the north and one in the south he said to Israel because now Israel is a divided nation Judah is on one side 11 tribes on Israel's side Jeroboam made worship convenient Dr. Schofield said he made worship convenient in the margin. But the Bible literally says when he built those golden altars, he said golden calves, he said, Behold the gods, little g, that brought you out. They had one golden calf in the desert. That golden calf, back when they came out of Egypt, didn't bring them out. But now the preacher, Jeroboam, had become so deceived that now he multiplies their idol worship and he builds two golden calves. And he said, behold the gods. You don't have to come down out of the mountains twice a year and worship God. Be careful, amen, that you begin to think you can have revival by doing less than. We're in, a, we're in a generation that's trying to dumb it down and lessen down and calm it down and cool it down. But it still takes prayer. I don't have to talk to you about prayer. It still takes intercession. It still takes fasting. It still takes preaching the word. It still takes amen. It still takes fasting. I wish I had an amen in here. And when they built those golden calves, the Bible said, and there came unto it satires, dancing devils. Here's the point. Your worship is going to attract something. The question is just what is it attracting? Your praise is going to attract something. That's why you don't ever want to get comfortable with just a praise service. And you don't feel God and you don't sense God. You don't want to get comfortable with another lazy fair business as usual. Come see, come saw service. Well, it's just Wednesday. Well, it's just Thursday. Well, it's just Sunday morning. Well, it's just Sunday. No, the devil is a lie. This is a day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. It might be Sunday night, but I will rejoice. It might be Wednesday night, but I will rejoice. It might be Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, but I will rejoice. I'm not going to worship God out. I'm not going to let my worship be based on convenience. And whenever that happened, the tribe of Levi leaves Israel and goes with Judah, which tells us that if you're in real ministry in the tribe of Levi, real ministry, real Levites go with praise. Don't claim to be in ministry and you can't worship. Don't claim to be in leadership and you can't praise. I'm sorry. Now you might pray, but you can get kneeled down and do that. You can get in a little intercession and moan and groan, do all that. But when it comes time to praise the Lord, I said, when it comes time to praise the Lord, if you call yourself a leader, you ought to be able to praise a God out there or up here. If the only time you praise God's when you got the mic, you're not a true minister. But if you can praise Him on the back row, if you can praise Him over here, then you're welcome to praise Him up here. But let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you can only praise Him when you're playing the piano, you're not a real leader. If you can only praise Him when you're beating the drums, you're not a real leader. There might be a satire coming to your altar. There might be dancing devils coming to your praise. There ain't no vote, vote fashion show. Can I preach like I feel? Stand up here and sing and just try to be all pretty. This ain't no fashion show. We, look, you're not going to, ain't nobody in here going to appear on Vogue magazine. 
None of you fellas going to be, I know you're trying to be GQ, but you ain't getting on no cover, so just quit trying. The question is, is can you offer up the sacrifice of praise? David said, if you really want, I'm going to preach now. If you really want to be a worshiper, he said, I will not offer unto God that which costs me nothing. He had servants break through the camp and bringing back water so he could use it. But he took it and poured it out. He said, I'm not going to use this on my praise because it didn't cost me. It costs you. I'm only going to offer what cost. Listen to me. You can't live off of my praise. And I can't live off of your praise. But my praise costs me something. And God said, that's what I want. Come on, Antioch. You may have had Holy Ghost blowouts 10 years ago. You may have had some 15 years ago and 5 years ago and 12 months ago. But this is the day the Lord hath made. Is there anybody that will offer up the sacrifice of praise? They ought to be come to Antioch and say that's where the worshipers are. It may not be the best music. It may not be the best presentation. But they know how to worship. We got a man in a wheelchair running the aisles. Is there anybody with good legs that want to run with a man in a wheelchair? Ladies, it's all right if you shout till your hair comes down. It's all right if you praise as unto the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now stay standing with me. I'm not trying to make you shout. I can see it on some of his faces. Oh, he's just trying to shout. No, I'm not trying to do that. That's all you get out of this. You done missed the whole point. The word prayer appears 128 times in Scripture. The word pray appears 65. The word intercession appears 10. It's 203 times there's references given to prayer, prayer. They prayed or there was prayer or there was intercession. But it says they was praised 259 times. And they praised the Lord 124 times. And they worshipped him 188 times. That's 571 times versus 203 times of prayer. That doesn't make prayer insignificant and it doesn't make praise any more significant because we got Paul and Silas in the jail and the Bible says and they prayed and sang praises. If you know how to pray, but you can't praise, you're coming with one side of the sword. If you know how to praise, and you can't pray, you're coming with one side of the sword. But if we can pray and sing praises, there's a jailhouse that's about to rock. There's about, what I'm trying to tell you, is there's about to be a breakthrough in Antioch Incorporated. There's about to be a holy breakthrough. There's about to be a jailbreak. There's about to be people delivered because you know how to pray and praise. (laughs) 
Now, I know I'm in a place where prayer is talked about, and I'm not de-emphasizing prayer. I'm not de-emphasizing it. But when they shouted the walls down, they didn't pray them down. They shouted them down. That don't mean jump and shout. That means ruah. They laid their head back and screamed as if they believed they could call something to break with a scream. They danced to the musical instruments. Amen. In the fourth word of praise. They bowed the knee. They hallowed the Lord. They stuck their hands out and shouted hallelujah. And they prayed. You can't just pray. You have to be a praiser. I'm stopping here because I got some of you. Oh God, help me Jesus. Pastor, you need to help me. I'm going to chase a bunny right here. I wouldn't trust a preacher that couldn't praise. If you're a preacher and you can't praise, you make me nervous. Amen. Now the older you get, I, I used to jump 31 inches, but now I jump three and a half. It hurts when I land. And sometimes I do toe lifts to kind of fake somebody out. Look at your neighbor and say, me too. Amen. But every now and then you got to do something. Can I tell you that if you're going to praise the Lord, you got to do more than act like that monitor. You got to do more than act like that plan. Every praise word requires emotion and movement. If you can only wiggle your hand and shake your foot, do something. You may not jump and dance. You may not run, but you got to do more than that. You got to do it as unto the Lord. The devil wants you to quit in the desert. But I've come to tell you in the desert, the Elisha said, bring me a minstrel. Bring me a praiser. In the desert. Here's what we want. I'm done. Come on, piano player. I think you've been worshiping. I haven't been watching. Has she been worshiping over there? Have you been worshiping over there? Just in case you hadn't, give me a little leap for joy right there. Come on, girl. Come on, get your praise on. That's what I'm talking about. I just want to make sure you could. Now listen, in the middle of the desert, I preached a whole bunch of stuff. The desert's the place of transition. It's the place of going from start to finish. There's no way to get from Egypt to the promised land without coming through the desert. The promised land represents the fulfillment of everything God promised. You cannot get the promises of God without coming through the desert. It's impossible. But it's in the desert. They thought there would be water and there was none. They called for the prophet. He hadn't been prophet but just a few months. He's already had two miracles. And the prophet said, There's, the prophet Elisha is not God with him. And he walked out there. They wanted a word from God. Listen, I'm preaching to a church that believes in the prophetic word of God. But you hear me. Anywhere there was a prophet, before there was a prophetic word, the commentaries and the theologians will tell you, there was also a minstrel. Minstrels were at the school of the prophets. That's why the prophet Elisha said, if you want a word from God, he said, bring me a minstrel. A minstrel meant to beat out a tune or a beat or a rhythm with the fingers like on a tambourine. He said, bring me a praiser. What was the point of a minstrel? The minstrel would withdraw the prophet's mind from the outer world. Number one. Number two, the ministry of the minstrel. Worship leaders, you hear Brother Godwin. Your purpose is not to just get a nice groove and just imitate somebody you saw on the internet. Your purpose is to, number one, withdraw our minds from the outer world. Number one. Number two, that doesn't mean you sing all the latest songs because some of the latest songs won't bring Jesus so you don't sing it. If you sing it, and you can't feel God, chunk it. 
Because this ain't no concert. Now, if you're going to cut an album, go ahead and do what you want. But if we're going to have church, if we're going to have a move of God, if we're going to have a word from God, we've got to have a, we've got to have a ministry that can withdraw our minds from the daily business. Am I making sense? That's number one. Number two, it prepared a spiritual framework for divine utterance. It follows the creative order of the book of Genesis when Satan was cast into the earth and threw it into chaos. The first thing for creative order, for recreation, the first thing that had to happen was a move of God. A move of God happens because of the ministry, because ministerial, ministry of the minstrel, because of praise. It creates a move of God. When we praise, he inhabits. But once that happens, once we have a move of God, then Genesis 1 and 3 said, and the Lord's God said, the proper order is a move of God followed by a word from God causes recreation. Recreation is people being born again because we become new creatures. If we're going to have revival and we're going to fill the building up not just once a month but every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and on Thursday night, it's got to have a menstrual ministry. Stand with me. Because people are living in a desert. Real people are in the desert. We're transitioning from death to life. we got people that need the Holy Ghost tonight. They're coming from spiritual death to spiritual life. From being separated from God to being joined to God. The only way they can come through the desert is they need a minstrel that can beat out a tune. Praise Him upon... Every time you beat those cymbals, even though they're electric, when you beat one... They're not on now. But when you beat one, it's biblical. Every time you beat one, you think of spiritual warfare. You think of preparing a framework for divine utterance. You think of running every time you play on the keys, the stringed instruments. Every time you hit one, you think about it. Every time you play this, you begin to think this isn't a concert. Every time you pick that guitar... I mean, we want it right. We want it to be the best we can. But you need to be thinking, I'm preparing a framework. We're not going to have no shaggy devils in this church. We're not going to have no dancing satires, half demon, half goat spirits in here. No, sir. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to, because we need a move of God. And we need a framework for divine utterance. The man of God's about to preach. He might take a text and he might make up here and say, you, 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 and you come here and lay hands on them and God heal them supernaturally. He might speak to someone, amen, about their family situation. He might read a text and he may just give an utterance. But your worship is not about everything being just so boom shakalaka perfect and we want it as good as you can get it. But if it's so good God can't get in. I'm going to say it again. If it's so good God can't get in. That's why a lot of times a preacher gets up it's like throwing seed on concrete because the minstrel ministry hadn't been here. Oh we've had music. And maybe the music team has been worshiping, but you haven't joined in with them. And so now the preacher's having to preach because without a move, there hadn't been a move of God. Now he's preaching. It's almost out of order. Because there hasn't been a move of God to prepare a framework for the divine utterance. Now it's like throwing seed on the concrete. Prophet said, you got out here where you thought there'd be water and there isn't any. You're in the desert. You're in a place of process. Your enemies are against you. You need a victory. He said, if you want me to prophesy, he said, you bring me a minstrel. And the Bible said, as the minstrel played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. 
And he prophesied what seemed totally crazy. He said, make this valley full of ditches. He said, tomorrow there's going to be water. You won't see the rain, but there's going to be water in these ditches. But there won't be any water that you can drink from if you don't dig a ditch. I've come to this church to say it's time for you to start digging a ditch. It's time for you to start digging like you've never done it before. It's time you're in a place of transition. You're moving where there's about to be a divine move of God. But if you want to see the results of it, you've got to dig a ditch. You're going, I'd say I didn't get too many amens right there. You're going to have to hand these tracks out. You're going to have to get these door hangers out. You're going to have to give yourself to ministry. You're going to have to get behind this pastor like you've never got behind anybody before. And you're going to have to push with everything. You're going to have to dig. You have to put some sweat equity into it. You've got to dig a ditch because you're going to wake up one morning and there's going to be water flowing. There's going to be people getting the Holy Ghost. There's going to be marriages coming together. There's going to be families getting blessed. There's going to be jobs coming. There's going to be raises coming you weren't even up for. How did it happen? Because a minstrel played and the hand came on the prophet and the prophet said dig a ditch and I took all the high out of it a lot of things that the hands mean but the laying the hands on or hands coming upon something is the sense of blessing and symbolic of miraculous provision and healing there's about to be miraculous provision and miraculous healing that's going to take place in Antioch. All because the spirit of the minstrel. Now I've went all the way around the block hitting a bunch of stuff to tell you. It's time for you to get your praise back. It's time for you to get your praise back. It wouldn't be something that it's your praise. I see your nice little ties all pretty. See I'm all sweaty and you ain't. You know what the difference is? I've been working and you ain't been doing nothing. I like it. I couldn't say that to some folks could they get a lawyer and sue me. You ought to come to church and get your sweat on. If the only time you can get your praise on and your sweat on is when you're preaching, you may not be preaching. There's got to be something in you that says, wait a minute, we're, we're, this area's in it. I know it's fancy. There's fancy cars all over this place. But this place is a desert. And there's about to be a breakthrough in this desert. And the spirit of the minstrel wants to rest on this church. The spirit of praise wants to rest on this church. And if you'll do it, God's going to put his hand of blessing on you. There's about to be supernatural events take place. Stand to your feet. I'm talking to leaders in transition. I'm talking to preachers that are in transition. I'm talking to preachers that think it's over. It's not over. I'm talking to preachers think you've topped out. You haven't topped out. I'm talking to folks that think you've done all you can do. You haven't done all you can do. I'm calling you out here in the middle of this desert and saying, I want you to prophesy. And now I'm telling you, you've got to praise the Lord. You've got to praise Him. Not with just physical activity and keyboards and musical notes. There's got to be something in you. I didn't say intercede. I said give Him praise. Because the hand of blessing is about to come upon this people. You 
you may be older and can't do it like you used to do it but if you got to lean on the pew and just shake a foot get your praise back come on preachers I wonder how many people would worship if you would I wonder how many would dance if you would I wonder how many would weep if you would If your pastor's going to dance, there ought to be some men get out here and say, I'm going to dance with him. I've never done it before, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to praise the name of the Lord in a dance.
back. Close your eyes. Don't care who's looking at you. I'm praising the Lord. I'm praising the Lord. If it had not been the Lord that was on my side, I wouldn't even be here now. That's in mama talking tongues. That's in daddy praise the Lord. He's going to bring you out of the desert. Praise him. That's it, mama. Praise him. That's it, mama. Open your mouth. Let the Holy Ghost come. That's it. Let the Holy Ghost come. Come on. That's the Holy Ghost. Come on. That's it, mama. Come on. That's the Holy Ghost. They're getting the Holy Ghost. That's it, daddy. That's it, daddy. Come on. Come on, daddy. Come on, daddy. Come on, daddy. That's the Holy Ghost. There he goes. Come on, there they go. There you go. Open your mouth. Let that Holy Ghost come. Come on. That's it. Open your mouth, Daddy. That's Holy Ghost. That's Holy Ghost. Come on, husband and wife just got the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to be praising the Lord tonight. We're coming out of our desert. We're coming out of this dry land. We thought there'd be water here, but we're gonna praise the Lord till water appears supernaturally. Now we've done it twice. Let's do it one more time. This is the Holy of Holies. Get somebody else by the hand. Lift it up in the air and give God one more good praise. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's get ready. Come on. It feels like fire. Shut up in my bones.
What does it take to keep a fire going? You gotta, you gotta keep fuel on the fire. What do you say we make an agreement with each other tonight? That we're not just gonna have a nice blaze tonight and wait till we get back Thursday night. But tomorrow, all on our own, we're gonna keep the fire burning. We're gonna keep some fuel on the fire so that when we get back Thursday night and when we get back Sunday, we bring fires that can join together that are already burning. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm not gonna dismiss, I'm just gonna let you do what you wanna do. God bless you, in Jesus' name.